This is a Need 10 Media production. Welcome aboard, my friends. It's Nate Clayberg. And in this episode, I get to introduce you to someone that I've been listening to and following for maybe seven years now, at least. Uh, when I discovered the Creating Disney Magic podcast with Lee Cockrell, a uh, former Disney exec, and now I turn the tide on him and he gets to be the guest. And in this show, again, we introduce you to jobs and people and careers and work that uh, maybe you hadn't heard of or maybe find it really interesting and learn about the pathways on how they got there. But uh, Jody, welcome to the podcast. And first off, I want to tell you how exciting it is to have you on the show and the impact you've actually had on my work and life through the connections you've given me since I first heard you and Lee talk. And I was going back, that was back in 2014 when you first hit the podcast airways, I guess, but uh, awesome to have you on. Nate, I'm so excited. It's been great to get to know you. And that's, I don't think I knew that you've been listening to the show that long. That That's, that's amazing. And it's, it's incredible to think it's been out that for so many years we're closing in on episode 400 crazy that's crazy and you know i was just going through kind of the list of and i always call them kind of my digital mentors uh that i followed over the ways and and where you've either connected them having my lee show or they've been on your own podcast or where it's been but on the, other than lee and then his son dan and his wife valerie cockrell mike kim jeff knoll jonathan milligan don miller and then all the people in, in Dan's Perch community, you know, that's that's a whole nother network of people that I've gotten to know and experience and uh, was even at uh, Mike Kim's uh, in-person conference in Denver in early April. So there's a whole fan of people I've met through through that connection. But uh, and I don't know if you you've even realized uh, the connections that uh, uh, you've made for different people just by interviewing them or impacting with them uh, and where that uh, that tree uh, all goes, uh, from, from Jody Mayberry. It's one of the interesting things about podcasting and you don't realize it because quite often when you record a podcast, you're either by yourself or as we are today, looking at each other on zoom, but by ourselves and you, you never know what happens once you release it and put it out there and the connections it makes and the web, it starts weaving together. It, it's, it's fascinating. And I always enjoy hearing it because that's that's why we do what we do and then to hear that it makes an impact and you're making other connections and going to events and reaching out to people just because you learned about them on one of the shows I do it just it makes my day yeah it's it's an amazing thing to have happen but you know let's uh, let's circle back to you Jody and and I get it and I get asked the questions so you don't start asking any questions unless you really feel like it I know I know that's what you enjoy doing. You know, let's think back to Jody Mayberry in high school. Where did you think your life was going to go after you left that time of your life? It might be accurate to say I didn't. I don't think I thought much about what was after high school. I just wanted to play hockey. That's I loved hockey. That's all I wanted to do. And I didn't think much beyond that. I didn't even think about what would happen after high school, probably until late my senior year. I, I hope my kids don't do that. I don't encourage that, but that that's just how it was. I wasn't ambitious. I didn't really like school. I just wanted to play hockey and, and that was it, but it all comes to an end and you have to figure something out. So I did not think beyond high school at the time. 
So you, you did not end up in the NHL ranks, you know, coming out, what, I guess, where you went, you moved on to be, became a red bird in Illinois state and followed through there. Take me through your, your adventure, uh, after hockey and, and how we get to where we're at today. Oh goodness. It's, it was a very crooked path, not knowing what else to do. I ended up going to the local community college because I had a teacher that I liked the best. She was a accounting teacher. So I thought, well, I'll just take some accounting classes and then ended up getting my associate's degree in business administration. And then I thought, well, this is not bad going to college. I'll keep it going. I went to Illinois state university, got a degree in marketing, thought I'll just keep this going. I'm liking it. Got a degree in finance. And then eventually that has to end too. You can't just keep adding degrees. So I thought, well, okay, everyone who's from my hometown of Peoria usually ends up in some degree tied to Caterpillar. And I'll, I'll set up job interviews and all that, but I want to travel first. At Illinois State University, I got connected with the outdoor program and then ended up being a trip leader with them. Loved the outdoors, thought I would explore. And I spent three months just traveling the West, which brought me to Washington State. And I realized, I even can remember the exact place I was standing at Deception Pass State Park, where I said, there is no reason I could could not move out here. I was going to say, you look at that, had, had you traveled much or even been in that part of country before that? No, when I was younger, we, we took vacations, maybe as far as Colorado, but I had never explored like that. It was just me and, and someone that I met in college, just hit, head out on the road. And what brought us to Washington State is his brother was in the Navy stationed at Whidbey Island. So we came all the way out here and went exploring Olympic National Park, North Cascades National Park. And I say all the way out here, so you maybe connect the dots that I ended up moving here. There was that time at Deception Pass, and I said, I don't see why I can't live here. I got back home in mid-August, and by mid-September, I had everything I owned, which wasn't much, packed into my 1990 Dodge Spirit. And was heading west with just a few hundred dollars in my pocket. And I've been out here ever since. You know, and I hear that from high school students. They just want to get away. They just want to travel. They just want to see things. Uh, you know, I always say, go do it. You know, best time best time to do it. When you came back home and, and you said to, to the people uh, in your family or in your life saying, I'm out of here. How did that conversation go? And, and I guess you know, even moving to a place that you didn't know a ton of people, you probably struggled a little bit out there too with, with some comfortability, I, I would imagine. It was an interesting time because I came back, I lined up job interviews. I even got two job offers and I turned them down and said, I can't do it. I'm going West. Of course, my, my parents weren't crazy about it, but they also knew I would do it anyway. I took two weeks to make that final trip, exploring some national parks along the way. And I got out here with no, I knew one person, my friend's brother. I had no job prospects. I didn't know anyone. So it was an uncomfortable couple of weeks. And then I ended up taking a job and, and used that as my stepping stone. Like, okay, now I know I can at least live. I can buy my groceries and then use that to find what was next, which was I wanted to work in finance. So I took a job as a loan servicing specialist. So if you call with a question about your loan, I was one of the people that answered the phone. My thought was, I'll be so good at what I do that they won't be able to not promote me into the job I want. And believe it or not, it worked. 
I was young enough where I, I was, I was still foolish. And I thought, yeah, that'll work. I I'll take a job as a financial analyst and that'll make me, I mean, I'll take a job as a loan servicing specialist. And of course that's the gateway to become a financial analyst, but believe it or not at work, they six months after starting, I got promoted to staff accountant with the idea that as soon as financial analyst position opened, cause there was only one in the whole bank, I would get it. And sure enough, I did. So it, it was a weird path, but it actually worked. So getting into finance, working for a bank, uh, you know, an area that you don't know, I'd imagine you were like, get to work during the day, but you get to play on the weekends and the evenings. I imagine was that part of it? It wasn't about going out there for the job. It was going out there to get a job to then do other things. Yeah, that's right. That's what made me move out here, standing at Deception Pass State Park, looking at the beauty, thinking, I like being from Illinois, but if, knowing I could, why wouldn't I come out here? So I would, I would work all day. And in the summers, it's light out pretty late here. And then I would just go hiking until it got dark. And then I'd go home. That was what my days were like back then. Just every chance I got, I was out there exploring. You obviously don't do that now. What happened that you thought enough of that industry and you thought I need to put on a big brown circular hat and a very sexy outfit uh, and, and become a park ranger? What happened? Oh, you, you must've saw the pictures of me in uniform. <laughs> well, yeah. There's what? a ranger calendar out there. That's uh, that's a hot commodity on eBay. <laughs> Two things happened at once. My, my granny passed away and I went back to Illinois for several weeks when that happened. And, and I came back to work and I remember thinking, gosh, I don't know. I just, just doesn't enthuse me anymore because if I do my job really well, who benefits the shareholders maybe. So I was feeling kind of down on my job, even though it was the exact job I wanted. And then we built the house and some friends helped us move into the house. The wife of the couple worked at parks and she just kept talking about parks and oh gosh you should be a park ranger you're out there all the time anyway by the time i had unloaded that last box into our new house i said i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go for it become a park ranger and it was a year-long process because even though i had two bachelor's degrees i did not have enough credits in natural science so that took a while i had to go back to school at night it was a type of environment where if they knew what i was doing they would just say, well, we'll find someone who's more serious about the job. You don't have to stay here anymore. So I had to keep it quiet and go back to school at night. I ended up being a law enforcement ranger. So the background process is extensive on that. So it took a year before becoming a park ranger. But were you already hired and you're doing the classes or this was ahead of uh, the anticipating wanting to get hired that you started taking these classes? How did that all kind of flow together? I reached out to parks, sent my resume my background, my classes and said, what would it take to be a park ranger? And they said, you've, you've got to get this many more credits. So I, that's when I went back to school, knowing it would take this many credits to do it, which was going to be about six months of school, give or take. And once I had all of those, then I was able to apply. And then that the process took another six months, the hiring process. So the six, the first six months of it, I was back in school just to qualify to hire to apply for the job. In the meantime, you're still working in that in the in that bank, in that banking job. Is that correct? Doing yeah, both at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Working at the bank 
and also then I started volunteering in parks on the weekends to kind of build up my resume when it came. And, and here's a, an interesting part is it took, I think the bare minimum just to squeak through on the civil service exam, you had to get 70 points. And my background was not at all what they look for in a park ranger. I think I scored 74. So I just barely was able to apply for the job. So when you, when you talk about your background, wasn't there, what, I guess, you know, somebody out there thinking that sounds cool. What is it that they're looking for on that civil service exam? that would, would allow somebody to maybe score better than somebody who's got two bachelor's degree in, in business? Well, they're looking for someone who has previously worked in the outdoors in some way. They're looking for someone that has a degree related to natural sciences. Quite often it's forestry or parks and recreation management or biology. Depends on what direction you're going in. So they're looking for things like that. They're looking for volunteer work, military service, ranks very high. That gets you a lot of extra points. So someone with my background, had I been in the military, that would have just automatically been some extra points. They're really looking for somebody who has a background that would lend well to becoming a park ranger. Someone with a marketing degree and a finance degree and sitting behind a desk for a few years, crunching numbers, they assume doesn't fit that mold, but I proved them wrong. So you got through that and the life of a park ranger isn't nine to five. It's uh, nights and weekends. It's maybe some long hours or some different things. And and probably, uh, and I don't know if this happened, Jody, but did you get to not enjoy the place that you love to visit as a, as a citizen and now you're going to work there? Did that ever weigh on you a little bit that you want to go back to the park, but that means also being around work? Yeah, that's a, a part you don't look at. You don't consider ahead of time. You're there all the time. We lived in the park. So when you're at home, you're on call. When you're in the backyard doing yard work, when you're sitting on the couch watching TV, whatever, you can get called in at any moment and people knock on your door. Now, some of them are for emergencies, but I've had people knock on the door and ask for a corkscrew. I've had people knock on the door and ask for change for a 20 you get a lot of those things. So you're always under just, you're always there and people see There's it. Always and a piece of you. There's always a piece of you that's just there that you can't just escape. Yeah, that's right. The first few years though, it's wonderful. It's pretty cool. You get to live in a park that, that doesn't beat it. But as time goes on, and especially if you, for example, the last supervisor I had, the park manager, we, we did not get along well. Now, many people end up with a boss they don't like, but in this situation, my boss was not only my supervisor, he was my neighbor and my landlord, and that adds to the stress of it all. So it was wonderful. Being a park ranger is the best. It's as wonderful as you imagine it would be, unless you don't like the outdoors, then it's probably a bad job. Being a park <laughs> ranger is so cool, but there's, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. There's have to perform at a high level all the time. You're always on. Well, then you throw in the stress of a bad supervisor. And it did. It got to the point where it just wasn't fun anymore. I, and I had two young kids. And any time it was a time where they could recreate spring break, summer, weekends. Well, that's when other people wanted to recreate. That's when park rangers need to be in the park. So that weighed on me too, that, okay, I accomplished my dream job. But now it gets in the way of the family man I want to be. So which should come first? And and that weighed on me as well. 
So then you hang up the hat, I guess, and and move out of the park. I, I guess talk about your next stages after that from having the that dream job, quote unquote, that you thought you had. Well, two things happened. I, I left parks. And at the same time, I went back to school to get an MBA and someone locally in this community the park was in, they offered me a job in the private sector. So I said, okay, perfect timing. And I went for it. And I did that for two years, both of them, two years back to school and working for this luxury home builder, which was great experience. I'd never worked for a small business before. I had worked for a large bank and I had worked for the government. Now I got to experience small business. It, it was really fun to see how, how it operated. I learned a lot from the owner. That helped me launch into the next thing, which I know you'll probably ask about, is that after a couple <laughs> years there, I finished school. I'd worked two years at the home builder and it just seemed like a natural fit or a natural time to move to something else. And we worked out a deal where I would leave them. I would no longer be an employee, but I would still do all of their marketing. So they would be my first client. That allowed me to step out on my own, start my own business with them as a client. Yeah. I think that's an avenue, especially nowadays, you know, a generation it's like, well, don't like the job or want to do something else. It's like either you do it or you don't, but now you have that option. Many people do of, well, I don't need to be your employee, but I can still do the work, but gives you that freedom to explore other things too. What other things were you exploring along the way is, as you were still doing marketing for that construction company, evolved you along into where we're at in 2022. One was something that I did not think would ever have an impact. It was just a side project. I started to miss parks. I didn't want to be a park ranger again, but I wanted to be involved in parks somehow. Got the idea to start a podcast for park rangers. It's still out there. You can find it anywhere. It's called the Park Leader Show. I launched that in 2014 as a way to stay involved in parks by interviewing leaders in the field of parks and conservation. So that was a side project that I had no idea the opportunities that would create this. And Nate, you come into the story soon, although I didn't know it. I wanted to find a way to talk to somebody about what parks could learn from Disney, but I had no Disney connection. I found a book called Creating Magic. I thought I would love to talk to this guy, Lee Cockrell. He ran all of Disney World for a decade. I assumed he would say no, because why would the guy who ran Disney World come on a tiny podcast? I make the habit of not saying no for other people. So I said, I'll ask. He'll say no, but I'll still ask him. What I didn't know, his sister-in-law had been a park ranger for 30 years. So when he had the chance to come on a show to talk about leadership for park rangers, he was so excited because he had that park ranger connection. Well, that went really well. The first episode, we talked about his first book. I said, Lee, it went really well. Would you come back and talk about your second book, The Customer Rules? Because we need to talk about customer service in parks. And he came back on the show, talked about that. And then we were just having a conversation after we were done recording. And I really liked him. And I, I thought, gosh, this guy's so smart. If he had a podcast, I'd listen to it. So out of curiosity, I said, Lee, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? He was 70 at the time. He said, I'm 70 years old. I'm retired. I want to feel retired. I'm sure it would be fun, but I don't want the extra work. And although I didn't plan it this way, when he said that, I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity. And I said, Lee, what if 
you just show up and I'll do all the work. You don't have to do anything. It's going to talk for 15 minutes. And he said, Oh, I'll, I'll think about that. And I assumed I'd never hear from him again. And he called me two weeks later and he said, I've been thinking about your offer. I think we should do it. So then I spent probably eight weeks becoming an expert in Lee Cockrell. I read all of his blog posts. I read his two books, but he had at the time like 600 blog posts. I read them all taking notes. i saw every speech I could. And then once I fell out, I was ready. I said, okay, Lee, let's start recording. And then we launched the show in 2014. And then that's where Nate discovered it. And here we are all these years later. Yeah, I discovered that book uh, after I uh, left a job in college athletics, the same type of passion you're talking about the work you did of, yeah, that's nights and weekends and hours and, and frustrations. And I was at Disney World with a group and I came across that book and I thought, I'm going to buy two of these, give one to the, my direct report that I was with, uh, thanking him for all the, he helped me with. And then the guy that let me go, get handed him one because I thought he could get some value out of it uh, when it came to customer service and said, thanks for the experience. So, you know, as I read through that, all of a sudden, I don't even know how the podcast even came up. I'm going to guess it was maybe just a search in Apple podcast and there's this, and who's this Jody Mayberry? You know, he doesn't even spell his name right. How are we going to get this all, you know, how are we going to get this all figured out? Uh, but then just kind of going down that whole whole stretch, you know, you probably had also sit and think of going, okay, you just went into something you hadn't planned on at all in a small business. You probably had to figure out pricing and processes and and where things have all gone from there, where it's not you being a one man show, got uh, assistance that help you pull this all together uh, to where you're at now. And from an aspiring uh, wannabe hockey player to uh a podcast host that's talked to how many people, I don't know if you've kept track of how many different people you've talked to in a podcast in seven, eight years. I haven't kept track. It's got to be hundreds because I've done more than 1600 episodes now, but that includes 400 with Lee Cockrell where we don't really have guests, right. but it's, it's got to be hundreds. So this, this is the interesting thing. I started the podcast, the park leader show as a side project to be involved in parks. I did creating Disney magic because it was such a good opportunity. I couldn't not do it. What I didn't expect to happen was once you do work for someone like Lee Cockrell and you do a good job, people start reaching out saying, can you do for me what you do for him? Which is exactly what Nate just told us that, okay, now I've got to figure out pricing. Now I've got to figure out processes because I could handle two shows. But then once you get to three, then four, you've got to have good processes or it's all going to fall apart. And I did that. I created processes so good that all of a sudden it blew up to eight shows I was doing at the same time and doing every bit of it myself. So it had to be really good processes, which led to now those processes I created then ended up allowing me to hand off pieces to team members as I slowly brought people on. I had great processes in place. So it was a really good transition to now we're at the point where I record a show and then I never have to touch it again. And magic just happens. Right. So then, you know, you get through one cockerel and you get into another one and he challenges even more Dan Cockerel, who was you know, vice president of uh, Magic Kingdom and Epcot and you name it, he took things to a whole nother level that you had to try and figure out from uh, the perspective of you have of being a consultant and a coach. And I, I, you already had it. I think there, there's a community that surrounds the people that, that you support, you know, even coming up to a whole nother level of creating a community that's called The Perch. Talk about that brainchild and just what you've seen, the impact that's had just, just by organizing that and leading it. 
well, the origins of that community actually started with COVID. When COVID hit, people like Lee Cockrell, Dan Cockrell, their business was built on in-person speaking and consulting, and it dried up. And Lee Cockrell said, okay, you've been wanting to create more content with me. Let's do it. We've got all the time in the world. And we created a bunch of courses and, and launched the Cockrell Academy. And then Dan Cockrell he said, this hurt my business. I bet it hurt a lot of other people too. Let's see what we can do to help people out. We started a daily podcast that we did for three months. And then we said, let's start a community, do a mastermind where once a week people can just show up and, and we'll talk about what everything going on and try to help them out. We sent an email to Dan's list with that idea. He, he had an email list of a few thousand people at this point. And we thought maybe, you know, we'll do like one group of 10 to 12 people. And he got more than 250 people that said, I want to do this because it was for free. No, no uh, mm -hmm. you just had to get approved to be in. And we said, well, we didn't expect that. We were looking for 10 and we got 250. So we started 10 groups of 10. We took 100 people. So every day, I think it was an hour, hour and a half. Dan and I met with a group every day for 10 months because we staggered them where each group met every other week. So that allowed us to meet with a group every day and then they rotated. And that then led to when we decided, okay, three months, things have settled down. And in hindsight, things didn't really settle down after three months, but we said things are starting to settle down. Let's, let's fade out the daily podcast. Let's fade out this group. But then we thought, gosh, that was really special get, getting to be involved with people so much. Let's start a second group. But we said, this one's going to be different. It's going to be more personal. It's going to be more involved. And there, there has to be a price associated with this one. And we put it out there and it's been thriving community. That's just a, a lot of fun to be a part of. In fact, we met today, me and Dan and, and his assistant and the community manager of the group, because it's the type of thing that the way we started it was a great way to start it. But six months later, you have to make changes. And we did. And then later you have to make changes. And so we met again and said, okay, it's going well now, but what parts should we stop doing? And what do we need to do more of? And what do we need to add? Because if you just stick with how it is, well, then you miss how things are changing. But it just goes to what Nate was telling us that, gosh, these things come up. And if you're flexible, you can you can go with them. And, and if you had asked a few years ago, if you would have told me what I'd be do, doing now, I would have thought you were really weird because what I do now, I didn't even know was a job. It's It's just kind of something I made up along the way. Yeah, you know, time has flown and there's even more stuff I'd love to get into because you've been behind the scenes and around Disney world and wherever else you, you you've been over to the middle East with, with Lee and Dubai, and you've been to some high peaks with Jeff Knoll and uh, all sorts of different experiences that I'm sure you hadn't planned on, you know, that, that word opportunity keeps coming up in this conversation. I can't stress enough to anybody who's listening. Somebody presents you with an idea or an opportunity don't just say no right away. You, you've got to consider it, right, Jody? Oh, you you have to. And there there's someone who you may not have heard much of yet, Dwan Rivers. He retired from Disney as the vice president of the Animal Kingdom. And that was one of his guiding principles when he was at Disney, that when given an opportunity, unless there's a really compelling reason not to, say yes, because there's a reason that opportunity has been given to you. 
and you don't know who you'll meet and you don't know what you'll learn. And if you're the type that, that likes to have things mapped out and planned out, that can be really tough, but oh my goodness, the opportunities that it opens when you just say yes, and you're flexible and you go for it, it you never know where it'll lead you because podcasting has, as Nate mentioned, literally led me around the world. So Jody, I'm a, I'm a, I, I got this magic wand and I'm going to wave it around and say, Jody Mayberry, I want to give you your dream job. What happens after the big flash of light comes off that, uh, that magic wand? What do you say? Oh my goodness. That's a tough one. That's a tough question to ask me, Nate, because I've had the opportunity to have my dream job as a park ranger. And now I have a job that is just in, incredible. I get to do what I do. So it's, that is that is a tough one. I will say that my love is still in parks. I love parks as much today as I did when I became a park ranger. So it would be a lot of fun to have the opportunity to maybe like a state park director, but national park director, something like that. So if you were to wave a wand, I, yeah, I, I would take a park director. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's awesome to know. Jody, it's been great to, to connect this way. It, it's uh, it's good to now have you uh, have to answer questions instead of uh, ask them. So, but uh, I do appreciate your time and uh, thank you for being on. Well, thank you so much, Nate. This, this has been a real treat for me. It's, it's fun to be on the other side. Well, everybody, thank you for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateplayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan VoiceOvers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.